0: Today's message is Growing Pains, and in Acts chapter 15, there is this lengthy passage. We'll start from verse 1. It says this, And some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue, therefore being sent on their way by the church. They were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. And when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and and the apostles and the elders and they reported all that God had done with them but certain ones of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Let's stop there. We've been talking about the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. They were sent from Antioch and they went, preached the Gospels. Hundreds, if not thousands, multitudes of people were brought to Jesus Christ and saved. And as they made their way back to Antioch, as soon as they got there, of course, they were sharing everything that had happened on this missionary journey. And as this was happening, there were certain people that came to the church in Antioch and started creating dissension. And these were people of faith. They started to say, you know what? Everything that happened here, okay, you might like it, but it's incomplete. Your salvation, the foundation of how you believe in God is wrong, they said. If you really want to honor God, you need to be circumcised. This is the first step and you skipped it. You think you're saved. You think you love God. You think you're serving Him. But eh! News report, it's wrong. This was the message that was being spread now in Antioch. It says great dissension. This caused a a, a storm. This was a, a big issue there in that church in that moment. And in the midst of this disruption, they're thinking, what's going on? And they decide, okay, wait a minute, let's send Paul and, and, and Barnabas down to Jerusalem to figure out what we're going to do here. And this is the passage that we're beginning to read. Right? This comes on the tails of what I consider a groundbreaking verse in Scripture. And I've shared this in a message past. Right? Actually, let me get through this. You know, These were just the, what comes to mind when you think of growing pains, right? a child growing up with pains in their legs, or maybe you think of the TV show, again, this date she with Kirk Cameron, right? I don't know if you know Leonardo DiCaprio had a great beginning here, right? Uh, but that was a, a show that I liked. Maybe you think of working out and growing your muscles. What do you think of when you think of growing pains? But the passage that we're reading here comes on the heels of what God was doing in the church. And this groundbreaking verse in chapter 11, verse 18 says, Well, then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. And I mention this to you that this was finally the moment when the Jewish Christian church said to themselves, the church is much bigger than we think it is. That it's no longer this cultural thing, a Jewish thing, and we realize now that this Christian thing goes beyond us. And it was finally the church saying, okay, God's idea of this believing community is much bigger than us. The Gentiles also are included in this, and this now is the church of Jesus Christ. This was a groundbreaking moment for the church, and this is what's happening in this book of Acts as we've been reading through it. But now we come to to uh, the verses that we read in chapter 15, right? The church in Antioch commissions these disciples, right? Paul and Barnabas, and they go on this journey preaching the gospel. And everywhere they went, multitudes would come to believe in Jesus. And as they make their way back to Antioch, this great dissension erupts. It says, You're all wrong here. You're all wrong. And this brings me to the first main idea. And it's this growth happens in the presence of resistance. Because this message will be about how we grow. First, how we grow in faith, how our spirit matures, how the faith of Christ that is in us grows and and really grows stronger. Uh, This message is about that. And I want to say first that growth happens in the presence of resistance. Now you can take this spiritually or naturally, right? Because this is true in both realms, in both ways. The passage that we read is a confrontational one. People coming and adamant about saying, no, you need to be circumcised. This is how you please God. And this aggressive moment erupts in this Antioch church community. And it was in these moments that their faith was challenged. It was in this moment that suddenly everything that they believed about God was now called into question because the foundation, the carpet in which they were standing was being pulled right from underneath them and they were slipping and figuring, what now? We need to figure this out. This message is not delightful. It doesn't feel good. And there was a great resistance to their faith. And this is how faith begins to grow. This is how it happens. Let me give you this picture. You know, as soon as I saw this squatting icon, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, look at his legs. Legs are like a bull. Arms are like a chicken. <laughs> you know? Uh, but if you think about working out on, a, on just a natural physical level, right? For those of you who do it, who know the science behind it, who who know the natural processes of the body and why working out, exercising actually grows muscle, you'll know these two words. Catabolism and anabolism, right? Catabolism is the destruction process. Anabolism is the construction process. Catabolism is when you work out and your muscles, the fibers in your muscles are actually being torn. There's microscopic tears that are happening to the muscle. It is being destroyed and ripped apart. That's catabolism. And so you know when you're on a rep and it's the last one, right? You're like, ah, That's where the greatest amount of catabolism is happening in your muscles. But this destructive process is the precursor for the building one. Because after your muscles have catabolized, in a sense, they are being anabolized. They are now growing. And it is the construction, because the body is saying, you know what, all of these tears are happening in these muscles, so the body sends more nutrients, more protein, more energy, that way to those muscles, and now it begins to repair, grow, and build. And it gets stronger than it was before. It teared. And this continual process of breaking and building is what the building of muscle, that process, actually looks like. But there's an interesting thing that we must know. Muscles heal and grow when we aren't working out. And so after you hit the gym, right? And people say, I, you know, the most important meal that you eat is the one after the workout, not pre-workout. Because what you put into your body afterwards is what's kind of going in, right? But muscles heal and grow when you aren't working out. And so you need a rest period in between workouts, right? And so as you've worked out and then you rest throughout the day, the next day, whatever it might be, it is in that time that the muscles are rebuilding and growing much stronger. And why do I share that? Because I think it must be noted that when we are actually going through the process of resistance, that something is coming up against us, that that is not pleasant. We don't sense growth in those moments. Right? when we are uncomfortable and somebody has displaced some truth in our lives that we have clinged on to, right? and in, the, in that moment we don't feel comfortable and we don't feel like we're growing, we just want to kind of escape out of that. But what I want to say is, when there is this presence of resistance against us and a struggle that we go through, something is breaking down, whether spiritually or naturally, and after that takes place, I want us to know that there can be growth after that. It is in the moments of contemplation after struggle that we begin to align things. And so don't abandon the process prematurely. The struggle is uncomfortable, yes, but don't abandon the process because after the fact, if you you wrestle with it truly and you allow it to settle in and you begin to contemplate what's going on, true growth will happen there and then. So in your outlines, I've given you these bullet points of how our faith grows. And I want to say first that breaking down our preconceived notions and routines is, I think, a first step in, in the growth process. Right? That when we think about how we want to grow in our faith with God, how we want to grow in our relationship to Jesus, it first needs to happen a breaking down, a catabolism. There needs to be the destruction of certain things, the ripping apart of certain things that we've always seemed to have believed. And as you begin to tear those down, you begin to go to the next step and you ask hard but necessary questions. And this is what the church in Antioch was doing, right? They're saying, wait a minute, these guys have come in with a message that is in disagreement to us. Everything that we believe, everything that we worship and come to value, they're saying something different. And it wasn't just a wholehearted rejection, say, out with you, be gone, we want nothing of you, we don't want to hear it. It wasn't that. And after it was being challenged, they then came to the place where they were starting to say, you know what, what if? What should we think about? How should we approach this? And their resolution was to send Paul and Barnabas down to Jerusalem to settle the matter. Right? But you begin to ask those questions. And you begin to approach the Bible with a fresh fresh lens of reading. You know, uh, I, I, in my Bible college days, I grew up in a very charismatic um, environment. You know, I remember, you know, I in my youth days I grew up at Grace Church. I remember being dragged by my mom, you know, through countless services, you know, to be prayed for by somebody to be have their hands laid on me. Everybody on the floor, right? Everywhere you looked, right? This was kind of how I grew up, right? And even in my Bible college, which was very uh, Pentecostal, they actually had merged with a different Bible college. The Bible College that I'd went to was Life Bible College, and when i had went the first year, uh, that was it. From my second year, they had merged with a Bible College called Pacific Bible College, and so we became known as Pacific Life Bible College. But Pacific Bible College was much more conservative, you know, a, a much more strong, a stronger emphasis on Bible reading, on, on theology, right? And as these two Bible colleges came together, you can imagine the faculty coming together. That's a story in itself, right? And I remember this this wrestling. And I remember trying to approach and understand how a life in fullness of the Spirit is not contradictory to a life in Scripture. And I began to try to marry the two. And I began to see how in the presence of certain things that not necessarily were disagreeable, But in the presence of a a stronger viewpoint that was not the viewpoint that I had, I saw in that moment how my faith grew in Him. And how my life and my faith felt more balanced. And how I knew that a fullness in the Spirit was not something that was contradictory to living a Bible-based word and ministry life. But you begin to approach the Bible with a fresh lens. And you begin to ask, you know, what have I missed here? If you come from a certain background, how do people from other traditions view this passage? How do they worship? Can we go into a different space and that has a completely different worship environment or message preaching style? Is there a way for us to be able to still extract out of there what God is trying to say? Or is it just, you know, this isn't the way I usually do it. This is uncomfortable. And is there an immediate shutdown? We need to be able to strip that away. And to be able to say, you know what, how can I read the Bible today in a way that's fresh? This is quite important. The next thing that I'll say is to truly seek to understand those that hold different beliefs. right? Those that that approach life differently. That that have different uh, set of strong values down a certain way. And I need to be able to try to understand those folks. First, theologically, and also in practical areas. The church community in Antioch was in the midst of a very unsettling encounter. Um, Imagine for a second someone came into your life, if you're a parent, and said, you know what, you're parenting completely wrong. Or someone came into our church and said, you're doing church completely wrong. Uh, That's effectively what's happening here. They're, They're going into a community, into the Antioch church, and they're saying, your faith is wrong. That's a very unsettling moment. The message of these men was, you're living in sin. You can't go to heaven. You need to be circumcised. You're living unlawful lives. That's what these people were saying in Antioch. And so the church decides to send Paul and Barnabas to Antioch. We'll pick up the reading in verse... Uh, we'll reread. I think we are at up to six. We'll read, reread from verse six. And the apostles, this is now in Jerusalem, and the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. And after there had been much debate, that's in Jerusalem... Peter stood up and he said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as He also did to us. And He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. And all the multitude kept silent. And they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And so Paul and Barnabas come down to Jerusalem. They relay the matter, what happened in Antioch. And then there also became much debate there in Jerusalem, the, the different apostles and leaders. And in the midst of this debate, Peter stands up. If you remember in our reading in Acts, Peter had this great journey and uh, how he preached to Cornelius and how Cornelius, this God fearing man, how he turned to to Jesus and was saved, he and his household. And we saw this great revival that was happening there uh, in Caesarea. And Peter was a part of that right in the middle of it. And Peter's relaying to the council there in Jerusalem. Do you remember way back when this had happened? God had done this. And this was the decision that we made as a church. Paul and Barnabas were continuing to everything that was happening. And then finally, in the midst of this assembly, James stands up. Verse 13. And after they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simon has related how God first concerned Himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for His own name. And with this the words of the prophets agree just as it is written and he goes into some words that was written. We'll skip down to verse 19. Therefore it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles but that we write to them that they abstain from the things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from and from blood. For Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him since he is read uh, in the synagogues every Sabbath. Go on. Right. We'll skip down down to verse 23. And this is the letter that they sent, okay? And so by the hand of Barnabas and Paul and a couple of others, they send a letter from Jerusalem back up to Antioch. And this is what the letter says. Verse 23. The apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren in Antioch in Syria and Cilicia and uh, who are from the Gentiles greetings since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words unsettling your souls it seems good to us having become of one mind to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ therefore we have sent Judas and Silas who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials that you abstain from the things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication If, if you keep yourselves free from such things you will do well farewell okay so this is the letter that they sent and as you think about that you know a couple of the main verses they were sent off And they rejoiced at this letter. I find it amazing that this happens. I'll I'll tell you why, right? And so this letter is sent from Jerusalem to Antioch and saying, okay, don't worry about those guys, right? But there are some essentials that I want you to do, right? And it says that they rejoiced at this. And the reason why, it brings me to the second point. Growth happens with an attitude of humility. Because let me dissect this letter just for a brief moment. And this is, at least in bullet form, what I think summarizes this letter. Continue to live by faith. Disregard the false teachers. Change your eating habits and your sexual habits. This was the letter in kind of summary form, right? And so we send you our greetings, you know. These people that unsettled you and disturbed you, they weren't sent by us. We had nothing to do with that. Disregard them. Continue to live by faith. But in these things, we're asking you. Stop eating things that are strangled and stay away from blood. Stay away from fornication. right? And it begins to say, in these areas, would you heed? Now, let me draw a line here for you. What I think is wholeheartedly acceptable and what is very touchy. The first part of the letter is great. I mean, it was unsettling anyway. Who who in their right mind would not want to receive that word? Okay, great. We we will disregard them. We will live by faith and the way that we have so far. That, in my estimation, is wholeheartedly receivable. Open arms. Thank you very much. We'll take it. And then some. But then you draw that line and what's underneath the line, I don't know about you, but it's hard to change this. We as people are prone to continue in the way that we are going. If it is pleasing to us and we've done it for a long time. The first part, okay, great. But the second part, we got to change what we eat, three square meals a day, or however many times they ate. We got to change how we interact with the people that we love. Uh, there you come to a space that's like, ah, oh, wait a minute, it's a little too, too much, it's too far. But their reaction after the letter was read, great! With joy, it says that they received this letter. That in my eyes, there's a posture of humility. And that is how growth happens. Not just when resistance comes. That's great. That's, the, that's a part of it. But there needs to be an attitude of the heart that is able to go into the uncomfortable places. The places that we don't want to touch. That's just comfortable the way that it is. Let's just leave that intact right there. Let's not touch that. That space, that takes humility to get there. When somebody touches those regions of our heart and thinking and values. There's a sign there. It says no trespassing. We don't like visitors there. Right. And we want to keep that right there. Just untouched. But it takes humility to allow God to rummage through those spaces. And to do it through the voice of people. That also is required. resistance and humility it grows us and this attitude of humility this response that they gave i think is absolutely precious it shows their others mindedness and in 1st peter it says clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another for god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble I'm really glad about this. None of you are here naked. <laughs> okay. Every single one of us, when we get up in the morning, we clothe ourselves. We put clothes on to make ourselves presentable to the outside world. And just as regularly as you put clothes on, wear humility. Every single day, before you walk out of the house. If you've got a shirt and pants on, make sure you've got humility on. Make sure that's in every part of what you bring. And how you interface with the people in your everyday life. Clothe yourselves with humility. I end. Two points in a passage that we'll read together. Praise team, to you guys come back. First is this don't shelter yourself from opposing viewpoints. This is hard. <laughs> this is hard. Our knee jerk reaction is to run away from opposing viewpoints shut our ears to opposing viewpoints but if we would begin to open ourselves up to those uncomfortable words to those uncomfortable moments there's a, a process that can begin to happen that's a good one so don't shelter yourself from opposing viewpoints and secondly be willing to sacrifice personal rights and freedoms as the Antioch church was as they were willing to do because if we do this we'll find that communities tend to grow we'll find wonderful things that can begin to happen when individuals are willing to sacrifice that and i want to end today by reading a passage together second corinthians 13 you can read along as i read ready let's go love is patient love is kind and is not jealous it does not brag come on and is not arrogant it does not act unbecomingly it does not seek its own it is not provoked does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen.